Hi, I'm Amber Cook. Welcome to my podcast, The Dragonfly Connection. Join me every Wednesday for open, honest, inspiring, and healing conversations with people who face their own health and life challenges, worked through them, and now are on a mission to help you live a healthier, more fulfilling life. My hope is that at each episode leaves you more empowered and inspired, no matter where you are on your life and healing journey. My guest today, Beverly Daniel and I met on Instagram, which is honestly the way I've connected with about half of my guests. I, like many, have a love-hate with social media, but when used in a healthy way, I do believe it can really have some good benefits. I was inspired by her beautiful posts and her business name. So, being the curious being that I am, of course I wanted to know more. And in this episode, I got my fill. Not only is Beverly a lovely human, helper, life coach, and fitness instructor, she also works for the criminal justice system. I don't know about you, but I found this very fascinating. She is definitely a well-rounded person. Beverly began her spiritual and healing journey in 2012 after dealing with several of her own health issues. She realized she was disconnected from herself and her life needed a major overhaul. Along the way, she learned how to heal her generational trauma, love herself, and find work-life balance as a single mother. Now, she uses that wisdom along with her life coach teachings to help others reach their highest potential. And recently, she just started her own podcast titled Keep Going Soulful, where she and a co-host talk all about self-love, planning, astrology, and life. If you're looking to add another podcast to your library, check it out. The links will be in the show notes along with all the different ways you can connect with Beverly. Enjoy. This episode is sponsored by HealingWays.com. Find a holistic wellness professional and resources to help you on your healing journey. That's HealingWaze.com. All right. So first of all, Beverly, thank you for being here. I know where you're at, but I want you to tell my listeners where, where you're at right now. Absolutely. So I am sort of at the cusp of trying to figure out like what I want to do, sort of like, where do I want to like build off of? Because Mm -hmm. for me, I'm very much what people describe as a jack of all trades. Yeah. Like I have a lot of certifications, a lot of like studying, and I do like a lot of self-work and like self-reflection. If I can't, you know, sort of manage myself, like how do I go out and either hold space for others or take care of them or understand where they're coming from? Mm -hmm. that. So I do have a day job, which is in law enforcement. Mm -hmm. Um, I work at the sheriff's department. And that was sort of like a long journey getting there within itself, because I sort of was one of those people when I was growing up, people would be like, Oh, what do you want to do when you grow up? I feel like I still don't know what I want to do when I grow up. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. You know, that grow up stage, that quote unquote grow up just keeps on getting pushed out as we continue yeah, to grow. Right. Because right. so, when are you considered a grown up? You know, there's like adulting and there's whatever, and there's having fun, but it's like, technically, you know, you're on this path. You're just still going. Totally true. I would just had a conversation with my 10 year old yesterday and it was, she was asking questions about relationships with some of her friends and everything. You know, I was giving her some advice and listening and it's like, you know, that's stuff grownups deal with too. And it doesn't change. And you have to just continue to learn and 
and grow in it. And I don't have all the answers because I'm still dealing with that kind of stuff too, right? Still like developing and evolving. Yeah. And she was shocked. But as we, yeah, she's like, mom, I look up to you and (laughs) you have it all together. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like you're my point person. What do you mean you don't have it all together? (laughs) Totally. I love that answer. So when I asked you where you're at, a lot of people just tell me where they're actually like physically located. But you went oh. into like the inner stuff, which is amazing. Sorry. No, right. I love so, it. I love I'm it. from greater Boston, <laughs> Northeast baby. So it's freezing right now. We are oh, on the pitch of right about to be in a storm. So are the you? reason why I said that I was on the cusp of like doing something yeah. because I'm sort of putting like a lot of my certifications together. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if you have a sense like, okay, I kind of want to do this. And you sort of like go down the path a little bit. It's like, you don't have to feel like anything is permanent because yeah. I think it was a bumper sticker that I saw and I absolutely loved it. It said, God allows U-turns and I'm mm-hmm. not super religious, but for some reason that stuck with me. So I was thinking oh, if I could get a space and I could start doing Reiki and then, you know, I'm a certified life coach. I was like, I can do that in the space and then I can do like tarot readings. That's another thing that I do. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, I could find this and like do that. And within like a week, I went to go get a massage and the girl was like, oh, I'm looking for an energy healer. And I was like, I go figure, but somehow like I started to sit with it because I started the process, started talking to her and like, you know, what would it like entail and how could we like set that up? Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, do I really want to do like energy healing? Like, do I? Because I had done it right before the shutdown of um, 2020. Mm -hmm. And for me, like I'm very, very empathic. So if I work on people like energetically and hold the space, I become like extremely drained. Like whether or not I'm doing, you know, like protective practices or, you know, I like some of those like darker shaded crystals. Like if Mm -hmm. I keep crystals in my pocket, like I still find like, it's like super draining. Mm. As I was sitting with that and like the negotiations weren't going that smoothly. So I really had the chance to pause and be like, is this exactly what I want to do? You know, not really. Like I'd kind of rather focus on the coaching and like the tarot. For me, I mix it with the life coaching. So I'm not just giving you like the intuitive tarot. I'm kind of like, you know, here's where you can do some of the work and what you can focus on. And as soon as I said no to the space, like I contacted her and I was like, I don't think I'm going to do this. Like, it's just not for me. It's not resonating. Mm -hmm. She was like, okay, like, thanks for your time. And then within like a few days, I got invitations to do psychic fairs so I'm doing one in the summer yeah and then I'm doing another one in the fall so I'm like yes like this is like what I wanted Mm -hmm. so like I'm I find sort of like when you're trying to get like alignment with like the grander scheme or people call it the universe or however however if you stop saying yes to things you don't want that's when what you do want will come in Mm-hmm. And I'm one yeah. of those people who's sort of like guilt driven. Like I'll be like, oh, like you got to say yes to everything or you'll get like the FOMO and be like, oh no, if I say no, like nothing else will come along. Yeah. See, you're growing and learning as we yeah. all do. <laughs> it's hey, like so an active evolution. <laughs> it totally is. It totally is. And some of us can choose to be an active part of that evolution or fight it. And you are one of the people that is being a part of it. Sounds like, like you said, although you're guilt uh, driven, (laughs) you are also being very um, active in the receiving piece. I think I want to say it's like the temple of Apollo. It's like etched across Mm. the top. It says, know thyself. 
Yeah. So for me, it's like, if I know that I'm going to be guilt driven or I'm going to react a certain way, it's like, what can I do to sort of counter that knowing that's what I'll do? Yeah. Well, that's like the self-awareness piece, which is super important before we dive in, because I feel like we are just going to go straight into the real juicy stuff. And we're not going to talk a lot about your other profession, but I do find it really interesting that you are an energy healer and a life coach, very intuitive, fluffy, loving, feminine energy. And then you're also in the criminal justice. (laughs) You're not the first person to say that. (laughs) What a combo. What a combo. Yeah. So um, were you already working in the criminal justice profession before becoming a coach and healer? Uh, actually it was like in process, like they were sort of like running side by side. So Mm. as I mentioned, like in the beginning, it was like, I very much didn't know what I wanted to do. And I I guess I would describe it as almost like I was cut off from like my inner self. Cause it was like a few rounds of like challenging things going on in childhood and not really feeling supported. Cause I had the type of parents, you know, your job is everything. You need to know what you want to do and go Mm. do it, but Mm -hmm. you can't just do anything. It has to be like something of people would put on as worth almost like the jokes like okay people like you know from the far east it's like oh they need to be like a doctor a lawyer an accountant Mm -hmm. like something that but also like a Mm -hmm, mm moneymaker yeah that it made it challenging because I'm like well what can I do that I want to do without disappointing my parents so challenges like that so what I want to say it was like in kindergarten like my dad was like oh what do you want to be and I was like I want to be a princess and he just (laughs) flipped his lid like what as I look at like I have one son so it's Uh like if he said something like because he's in kindergarten right now so if he said something like that I'd be like okay like I'll check back in maybe in like five years (laughs) like I wouldn't worry about it right but yeah so it's like different style you know, as time went on, I was just like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I want to be. Like, I remember meeting other kids that were like, yeah, like I love taking care of people. I want to be a doctor or I'm really good with numbers. I want to do this. Mm -hmm. So as I was applying to colleges, like I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I ended up going to the local community college because it was like, you know, let me just get some classes done and do something. So I ended up when I was there changing my major, like several times, like I got into computer science and then I was in like, I think sociology, which as I was graduating high school, I was like, oh, I'd love to be like a psychologist and like talk to people. Mm -hmm. But as I was getting into the classes for that, I was like, like it's more scientific and it doesn't really like do it for me. And that's when I figured out if I don't care, I can't do it. Right. And then I kind of had a picture in my mind, like, oh, I'll just work in like corporate America or something. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll just get a nice little office and just be there. And, but on the flip side, being a Gemini, it was like, I can't really see myself being a cog in a wheel. Yeah. So I ended up getting into banking and I was in there for like six years. Wow. Okay. Sort of like, what do I do? I don't know. And then the economic crash happened. So to put it like the timeline, Mm -hmm. and then it was my dad who was like, oh, why don't you just go back to school? You can get like a master's degree and you can do something. So long and the short of it, there's a test to get into like the programs. Okay. So I ended up doing that and I didn't score high enough to get into any of the programs. And there was one program that did not take 
the test and that was criminal justice. So, yeah. so, so how the universe was landed. Like, eh. <laughs> right. So yeah. I just didn't tell anyone and I just went to school for it. And then I started doing like different sorts of internships. And suddenly I was in with like police and mm-hmm. like talking to them about like the concepts, you know, like crime reduction, that sort of thing. Like just all the different concepts. Like suddenly I felt alive. Like I was like, these are my people. Interesting. Okay. It sounds like such a contrast. And I'm just, I'm someone that's been in it since 2000 three professionally and you are the very first person in like my industry and quote that also is in the criminal justice industry yeah. it's pretty cool yeah um, it's a big umbrella though it is so it is all different like you've got like courts you've got corrections yeah. which is where I am you've got yeah. policing you know you've got domestic violence you've got like drug you know I mean it's definitely still them. in the helper field for sure. Service. Like, yeah. I call or, it you service. know, yeah. I, service. I, right when I was like, am I in the right space? I was working for a police department in New Hampshire and mm-hmm. they had sent out an email and like right in big, bold letters. It was like to thank those who serve the people. And I was like, damn, like that's me. Mm-hmm. Like suddenly it like resonated. I was like, this is where it's at. Yeah. So is it stressful? It can be. So yeah. we, I'm, I actually, it's me and one other lady and we mm-hmm. are the research division. So okay. we gather like all the data on like the yeah. prison systems and how like, is the facility running? Like how many individuals are in there? And like, what is the booking process? Like how many, mm-hmm. you know, individuals are coming through? Like what is booking doing? And then we sort of collect the information on like the programming. So how are like the classes doing, you know, how many people are going through, like, are they completing? And then you look at the recidivism, you know, like if they're actually participating, cause you can't just be like, Hey, you need to go take classes. So yeah. the ones that actually do participate, are they less likely to come back? Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So everyone's probably interested in things about the criminal justice system everywhere, but we're not going to talk about too much more about that. <laughs> I mean, I can, merge, about... I can merge in like how <laughs> the fluffiness is coming in. So my boss yeah. like found out that I do, you know, basically what you're calling the fluffy stuff. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And she was like, oh, she's like, well, you need to go teach your meditation classes here. Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah. The beginning of 2020, or actually no mid 2020, I was teaching, yeah. like we were all just had like the masks and we were like distancing and that sort of thing. But I started teaching the um, meditation to the female inmates. That is so Um, cool. Oh my God. I love that you're bringing that into the justice system that see, we need, see, we need more of us right in places like where you're also working. I love it. So I want to know a little bit about what then inspired you to start helping other people on their healing journeys. So you started down both these roads at similar times. Yeah. It was sort of like, I guess what people call like the awakening. I want to say it was like 2011, 2012. Like I started physically getting sick and I was like seeing all different doctors and I was like, hmm, and like none of them could sort of like figure out what was wrong. Yeah. And it's interesting. It's almost like a, like a divide right in my life. Cause like prior to that, like I was very like negative Nelly. Like I was the type to be like, Oh, life sucks. And then you die. Like, it's just awful no matter what you do. Yeah. And then all this started happening. So I was in a long-term relationship at that point. So basically everything that I had sort of created for myself, like long-term relationship, like we were living together, all that fell away. Mm. all of it was just gone. Like it was just, I can't live like this anymore. There has to be a better way. So there was what you call like a medic metaphysical store Mm -hmm. in my town. So I started going to like meditation class growing up, like my mom's from Singapore. So 
for her, like tarot is like the norm. Like her family would just like whip out cards. It'd be like, Oh, what's going on? Let's check the cards. So it wasn't like, woo woo. It was very like normalized. It was just like, Oh yeah. Like tarot, no big deal. That's So yeah. Cause I know some people it'll go like religious and they'll be like, Oh no, like that's not good. Or it's taboo or whatever. Uh With respect to that, like I started actually getting into it and being like, wow, this is like interesting. And I would get reading done. And they're like, Oh, you know, you're a reader too. Like you can do this. Why are you not doing it? And I'm like, Oh me, no way. Not the negative Nelly. (laughs) Right. And I don't know if you get into like past lives or anything like that. Like it depends on like belief systems. Like some Mm -hmm. people are like, Oh yeah. Like I, this is like my fourth go around or whatever. As I was delving more into this, I started getting into like dream work and other stuff like that to be like, Oh, like what's going on. And I've sort of found like in a past life somehow, like I was doing work like this like stuff to do with like tarot and divination and healing and Mm. it's like I don't want to bring it out publicly like I'm just like nope like not me no way (laughs) must be (laughs) someone else you've got me mixed up with somebody else yeah so I kind of keep it to myself and it's like if it seems like a safe space I'll come out and be like yeah like this is what I do like it was really difficult to like set up the Instagram account and be like yes like I love tarot that's why it's like separate from my personal account yeah and you're not alone I think because we're still Uh, pushing against a lot of societal crap that yeah a lot of perception is it's just off and you know from the puritan upbringings of this country and everything it's just in a way it feels like fighting for our ground to, to be taken seriously and so you're not alone i know you know there's so many people that do exactly the same thing because they don't want certain people to find out. And I mean, I didn't know somebody, it just, it took her like three or four years that she finally let all her family in on on like (laughs) social media and stuff. Like finally, like one of her relatives found her and um, was like, is this your page? She's like, (laughs) oh my gosh. Okay, here I go. Um, And, you know, even myself, I mean, I grew up feeling like it was totally, my woo-woo-ness was a little strange, but I didn't feel the same, but it did take me a while to, talk more openly about Reiki even, you know, I mean, now it's like really accepted to say Reiki. So I get it. So, so you were feeling you, all this stuff was coming up in yourself and you were being awakened and you were getting help from others. What was some of the most profound healing that you had done on yourself to kind of get you to the point now where you're ready to help other people? I would say getting into like self-love and like self-acceptance because the challenging parts of childhood that I mentioned, it was sort of like my parents were physically there, but they weren't like there, like they were checked out or they were doing their own thing. So one of the hardest things is the different types of neglect. So Mm -hmm. for me, it was emotional neglect. It was like, you know, no one was there sort of like helping me process and being like, you know, this is like what you're feeling and what you can do about it or how to manage. And so I just sort of grew up sort of like almost like a volcano. Like I would just, you know, be going around and holding it together and trying to be like, Hey, it's it's fine. It's whatever, you know, just let it go. Mm-hmm. Suddenly just erupting. Cause it's like, there's no way to sort of like let it out and like be okay with it. Mm-hmm. And then for me, another thing was being bullied a lot in school. Oh. So for that, it was like, 
almost like there was no safe space anywhere. It was like, you know, home life was like, you know, not quite supportive, you know, my parents being strict all the time. And then I would go to school and get, you know, bullied by the other kids and all that sort of thing. So it was like, it really like eats away like your self-confidence and like, you just want to be accepted. And like, after a while, it's like, you know, if everyone else is saying like all these things, then they must be true. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was sort of like a switch flipped that it was like, you know, if I can like be worse to myself than the other people are, then when they do it, it won't hurt as bad. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And it Mm -hmm. creates like that inner voice that's just completely unkind. And Mm -hmm. so for me, it was like peeling back the layers and like, you know, how can I be more kind to myself? Because if I treat myself better, then I can treat others better because I was very much one of those like sort of like that hurt people hurt people. Oh, yeah. Right. Like if you're hurt all the time, like you'll just even without even realizing it, you'll just, you know, attack others just to be like, hey, now you feel as bad as I do, but you don't realize you're actually doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes it really challenging with like relationships and stuff. Yes, totally. So speaking of relationships, so during this awakening, you said that a lot of things in your life were falling away maybe even feeling at the time falling apart. I'm, I'm assuming that's just an assumption, but you mentioned a relationship. So you went through that stage of your life and then through the awakening, you started finding ways, tools to help you with your own self-love. You also spoke about your neglect and everything just now. And in your application, you said um, that you help people heal generational trauma really quick. I just want to go into this kind of briefly Because this is a term a lot of people hear, generational trauma. Would you explain what generational trauma is? So not being an expert, I'll just kind of give like an overview. (laughs) You're more of an expert than you think, but I love everybody on my show is always humble. They're like, I'm not an expert. I'm like, actually you are. Yeah. Only from experiencing (laughs) it. Right. Cause Mm -hmm. so for me, it was under, like, I think I shared, um, a stories the other day and it actually showed, like, you could look at like grandparents, like Mm -hmm. yelling at the parent who is yelling at you. And then Mm -hmm. you turning around and being like, I love my kid. Like, I'm not going to pass it down. So like one of the things for me, when my son was born, was I started like noticing myself, like say if he did something, like all of a sudden, like I would just lose my mind, like, ah, and then it would be like, wait, why am I losing my mind? And it would be like, oh, that was something like if I did that, my mother would get angry. How you were parented comes out. Mm-hmm. So to get into like the generational bit, I was reading a book. It's called um, It Didn't Start With You. Mm. So say for like the mother's side, that basically all females are born, you know, with all their eggs. So if your grandmother is pregnant with your mother and your mother is fully formed, you are an egg in there. So your mother is experiencing what your grandmother is experiencing and you're experiencing it as well. That's crazy and awesome. Yeah. So for me, like example, um, my mother was about in her teens, like maybe 16. And my grandfather um, was in a bad car accident. So he Mm -hmm. passed away. You know, if you go with the egg piece, like me and all my siblings would have been there kind of experiencing it like through my mother. Cause I ended up going to an acupuncturist and I was like, Oh, you know, I always have tight hips. And she's like, yeah, you know, women carry a lot of, you know, emotional baggage in their hips. So she's like, I'm going to place the needles to help like open your hips. And I'm like, okay, cool. So she put them and she would always, you know, leave the room and let you kind of you know, sit with them for a bit. Mm -hmm. 
And then all of a sudden I'm like bawling my eyes out and I'm like, oh, my grandfather, like I never missed, met my grandfather. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like, where did this come from? Mm-hmm. Cause like yeah. for me growing up, I never met him. So I just like never really like came up and like, you know, we didn't really talk about him and like stuff like that. And then mm-hmm. people at school would be like, oh, you know, my uncle passed away. And like, we have a really small family. Like my mother was an only child. I don't know how to like empathize because we didn't have, you know, a lot of people passing away, mm-hmm. but not having had a grandfather and, you know, having grown up with him, like it was like something was missing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like you said, if you go to that egg theory, you were picking up on all the sadness and the hurt and the trauma that your mom you and your siblings right. picked up on what your mom had experienced. That's a pretty cool theory. I like, I like that. And I, that could definitely hold some weight for sure. Wow. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's like noticing yeah. like for parenting is like the, you know, the different generations, like, mm-hmm. you know, like say my generation was like kind of strict and whatever. And then like, I noticed other kids growing up, like after me, it would be like the parents would just be buying them everything and just whatever. And I'd be like, Oh, I'm going to give my kid everything I didn't have. Like, you know, cause I have that ability have a good job or whatever. Mm-hmm. For me, like I look at it as giving my son like what I didn't have, because a lot of times like I'll be witnessing him, like whether he's playing or whatever he's doing. And I would be like, you know, in this moment, I needed this. So like example, like we would go to mom's groups and he had a tendency, like he kind of wanted to like observe and take in the land and then he would be off to the races. Mm hmm. So I would allow him to just sit on my lap and whatever. Whereas my mother, like, if that was me, you know, being like, I just want to observe for a minute. She'd just be like, go, like, go play. Like, I want to talk to the adult. Mm -hmm. So I was at a mom's group and my son was doing the same thing. So I would just allow him to just sit. And then once he was good, he would go play. So the other moms were like, you know, why do you do that? Like, you're kind of holding him back. Like he could be like playing and I didn't really explain it. I was just like, oh, you know, I'm just kind of allowing him to do what he does. He just wants to observe. But in my mind, it was like, you know, I'm supporting him and what he needs in that moment. So I feel like instead of just giving him things or just being like, hey, this is like what I didn't have. Here's like a cool toy. Like it's very much like supporting him when I see him having the situations that I had, like what would I need in that moment? Mm, Nice. So you were able to I think through this awakening that you described earlier, and then, you know, all the inner work that you did on yourself, even, you know, learning about past lives, even all of that sounds like it has made you much more aware parent, and that you're hopefully not carrying forward that generational trauma, or you're able to kind of help him process it, I guess, because he'll have some, if, if we're going back to that egg theory, he'll still have yeah that generational trauma for sure and I actually have a lot of friends who do like ancestral healing and you know we even carry energies in our DNA from generations and generations past so how has parenting been for you I mean your son is in kindergarten so is he five yeah okay yeah so how has becoming a parent helped or even maybe hindered I don't know (laughs) I'd say for me it's sort of like connecting with the parts of myself that I felt like were lost because like some Mm. of my biggest challenges like I mentioned um how you like if you notice like how you were parented comes out yeah so like my parents were like physically present in the room but they weren't like interactive they didn't you know sort of like 
play with us and like mm-hmm. do they, it was just like go play like you know just go away like I'm doing whatever I find myself actually doing that like with my son sometimes like I'll be like oh like I just want to like zone out or just you know scroll Instagram or I want to just read or and like I notice like I tend to resist like oh I don't want to or I don't feel like it or go do yeah. kid things and I'm like crap the resistance is like it's hard to be present so I'm like ah, oh, like I need to I get through that. So like a lot of times I'll be like, okay, like be here, like sit with him, like whatever he's doing, like try to join in or like play along, like just try it. How do you find, how do you find a balance? So some of my listeners know this and I'll just very briefly. So I was a single parent till my son was 13. So I basically have two only children is where I'm going with this. And so then I had my daughter 14, you know, she's 14 years younger than him. So I find it very hard as a, especially as a parent of an only, so we're speaking to other onlys here. So I'm similar to you in that I'm a single parent now, like my son's father and I like didn't make it. So I had the one long-term relationship Mm -hmm. and I was single for two years. And then I met my son's father. Okay. And we were together six, seven years. Oh, wow. So he was like three and a half when we ended up like splitting up. Yeah. Okay. So this, this will be some good, uh, maybe some advice if you've learned already, we'll see. (laughs) Cause I feel like I still am like, I'm still struggling with this. How do you find a good balance between, you know, you hear all the time that we can't be our children's main playmate, right? Right. But as an old, for an only child, I'm constantly in that push and pull still. I mean, she's 10. So now she's starting to be more independent, but I remember this with my son too. How do you find time for yourself, especially the single parent and, you know, give them that playtime they need, but you can't be their only playmate. Like, how do you balance all that? Right. What do you do? <laughs> I'm almost going to say the challenger piece yeah. is, was the whole shutdown. Mm-hmm. Because we were isolated and it was just yep. us and the good thing about his dad is he's still like in the picture like he's good like co-parents a lot mm-hmm. nice. so like in terms of the like alone time like he'll you know go off with his dad like say on a Saturday and like they'll just do whatever they do now I have my time like I'm just mm-hmm. gonna be here or I'm gonna you know get a massage or something yeah yeah just whatever it is for that like self-care piece or whatever I need but in terms of like the like how do you not be their only playmate it's difficult because like prior to the shutdown like we were in like mom's groups and we would you know go out for play dates and whatever and then he started getting into like daycare so I could go to work and then now he's in school but it's really really difficult to like get out and like meet people and we're in the northeast so right now it's Mm -hmm. like you know the deep freeze and it's like who wants to go and meet up at a playground you know (laughs) like certainly not me I'll go out with him and try to like be outdoors because I told you he's a Taurus so Mm -hmm. it's like Mm -hmm. a little earth child Uh uh-huh so yeah my son (laughs) yeah right so I mean it's really really challenging so I've started signing him up for like classes and stuff yeah I was just curious because yeah that whole balancing thing with playing and not wanting to play with them and I was only child till I was five and my parents, I don't think they played with me a lot either. And I, I don't know, maybe that's why I'm so introspective and I'm an introvert and I don't know all the things. Uh, see, I'm the middle child. You know? So I was kind of like left to my own devices, yeah. older brother and then younger sister. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Generational stuff. 
Yeah. I want to so talk it's just to- like sort of it's like to just really close that out. Yeah. It's like the stuff that's being passed down, right? Mm-hmm. So if like your great grandparents were not present and then that landed with the grandparents or you know they were super strict and you know, you know, angry about stuff or whatever, like it's just basically like asking what's being passed down. Like that's what gets me. Cause I remember mm-hmm. after my son was born, like I'd be like, why are we doing these traditions or why are we whatever, like what's being passed down? And I would ask other parents, like, oh, don't you think about like what's being passed down and mm-hmm. why? And they're all like, no, I'm just doing day to day. And I'm like, ah. oh, I wonder if that's only me that does that. Yeah. So this like sort of bowls into purpose a little bit. Mm-hmm. As I found just from my like perspective, it was like purpose is very like, so what do you do for work? Like, what are you about? Like, what impact do you have? Like, even when you meet people, it's like, so hi, where do you work? And it's like, damn it. Like, is there (laughs) nothing else? I feel like making purpose such a big thing Mm -hmm. that if you don't know what it is or whatever, it's like, what if it's something really, really small, like changing the parenting in your lineage? Mm-hmm. like maybe if and that's like, huge actually but it sounds small yes it sounds people, small but it's huge. like it's sort of like the ripple effect again mm-hmm. like we talked about so it's like you know if I can change it for my son and if he goes out and has kids like you know it changes what's coming down yeah yeah so even though like it seems like a small purpose it's like like what if that's a really big piece of my life so then why am I putting so much stress on you know like work or what am I doing not doing like Mm-hmm. Did you feel like this specifically with parenting before the pandemic shutdown stuff? Is In this terms some, of purpose? A, yeah. Or is this a realization in the last couple of years? And, and I'm asking this mainly because I personally, as a, someone who is always a career mom in quotes from, you know, the time I had my first child almost 25 years ago to now, it, it really hit me during the pandemic when I had to be all of a sudden become a homeschool mom and all kinds of things. And I didn't, yeah. have a, I didn't really have, I, I lost my business and all kinds of stuff. I had to go, wait a minute. What if one of my big purposes is just, you know, getting my daughter through this to help her right. navigate be better yeah. human in mm-hmm. the, in the end and survive this and grow and everything. But did you, already have this purpose of, of helping your son with the generational trauma. I, yeah, I feel like that was before. Okay. But I hadn't like realized that it was like a bigger part of like my life and purpose yeah. because like before, like having grown up with parents being like, your, your job defines you. Yeah. Like, they didn't say it like that, but it was that was the message basically implied. Felt. Right. Yeah. And that's why it was, you know, for someone like me that doesn't know what they want to do, it makes it like 20,000 times more stressful. Cause it's like, well, what do I want to do or not do? Or, oh my God, like, <laughs> you know, if I go down this path and it's like, I want to take a U-turn. It's like, no, you just wasted all this time. Like, why don't you know? Like, mm, yeah. yeah. But that's stuff that you have cleared out and purged within yourself it sounds yeah. like. And because it, it's only... sort of like take the pressure off. Because mm-hmm. if you're there, like, oh my God, like I need like the best job or I need whatever. It's like, what if it's not? Or what if it's like simple? Like, where can you simplify? Mm-hmm. Definitely. So you are, it sounds like simplifying a little bit and starting to try to make more sense of this other uh, purpose of yours or one of the many purposes of yours. Because I think most of us have several different purposes in life. Yeah. Um, hummingbird energy healing. So first of all, I want to hear, like, how did you come up with the name? Do you just love hummingbirds or is I was in 
like that metaphysical place Mm -hmm. that I was going to, like I was in one of the classes and they were like doing like a meditation and they passed around like an Oracle deck and it just happened to be like an animal. I think it was like spirit animals Mm, or something. Okay. And I just pulled like a random card and I flipped it over and it was a hummingbird and like the little booklet that comes with it. I ended up reading it and it was like, oh, you know, like the honey hummingbird is like light. They don't let anything bother them. And they're always going from here to there. And I was like, damn, that sounds like me. It, <laughs> it really resonated. Sticks. It rolls off the tongue. Hummingbird yeah. energy healing. It really does. So I know that, you know, we've talked a little bit about what you do professionally outside of the criminal justice realm. <laughs> if somebody's struggling with something right now, yeah, I'm asking in case, you know, anyone listening is like, oh, I really dig her and maybe I want to yeah. work with her. Like, yeah, what kind of struggles do you help women with? It's the self-love piece. So yeah. as the shutdown was happening, I started being like, so what kind of coach would I want to be? Because there's mm-hmm. all different kinds of coaches. I actually found that out as I got into it. It yes. was like, you know, there's money mindset coaches, there's relationship coaches, there's, so I came across a program for self-love. And uh, as we were talking in the beginning of, you know, our conversation, mm-hmm. I was saying that through the experiences of, you know, not having like a supportive home and like going into all the bullying all the time, it was like, my self-love was like disconnected. Mm-hmm. So that's how I ended up getting into two different relationships that were very, very similar. Cause I feel like if you don't get the lesson the first time, it's going to happen again. Yeah. So not really being connected with myself and having that self-love. It's like, if you don't love yourself, how can you go out and go have a relationship and love others? Yes. So essentially I was attracting similar people that didn't have self-love with themselves. Mm -hmm. Do you think people can identify if they're lacking in self-love on their own? It might take a little while because they might be like, oh, you know, I'm trying this and this and like, it's not really working. And you sort of have to break down like, you know, how do you talk to yourself and how are you like with yourself? I don't want to do like a blanket statement, but it's like, there's, seems like there's a tendency for people to be really hard on themselves. Yeah. Like for me, it's like the perfection. Yeah. For Mm -hmm. me, it's like the perfection piece. Like I always want to be like, I got it right the first time. And it's like, uh, (laughs) like you weren't exactly born knowing like, come on now. So, so perfectionism is definitely a thing that manifests in people that are lacking or struggling in the self-love thing. What are some other things that might be showing up in people's lives that might give them a clue that they might be lacking in the self-love department? I'd say like seeking outside acceptance Mm. and then seeking outside approval. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So it's like building like like self-trust, like mm -hmm. things like that. And like relationship difficulties is one that I'm sure is a huge red flag that you're having some self-love issues. Yeah. Cause Uh, it's going out and seeking the external love. Cause mm -hmm. it's like, Oh yeah, you're right. Like I don't love me. So you should like, but you don't know that's going on. It's just like, well, why doesn't anybody love me? (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you see that even people who uh, seem to really like themselves and outwardly and, you know, and really seem (laughs) to love themselves, but have you found though, that there are people like that, that still struggle with quote unquote, loving themselves? Yeah. Cause it's almost like if they don't quite notice it, cause mm. if you're out kind of running around and living externally, if you don't kind of check in, like, how are you and how are you feeling? And yeah, even the one, like the self-trust piece, like a lot of people don't notice that one. So yeah. say if you're like, tomorrow, I'm going to go out and do this. And then you don't, mm-hmm. or you're like, I want to go get that. And you don't, it's like, mm-hmm. the more you let yourself down, like you're 
not really trusting yourself. Like you're breaking the trust. So how can you trust others? Oh, nice. Okay. I like that. Then you're kind of open to just letting other people let you down it in a way. Right. Right. So this kind of goes, goes into the next question in your application. You said that your favorite quote is you cannot pour from an empty cup. Now I did <laughs> scour the internet and I couldn't get a clear answer on who, you know, where that quote originated from. Interesting. Yeah. Cause I feel was, like you, you like people hear it or they say it. Right. Yeah. Uh, and they always, for some reason, like oftentimes like mention the cup and then they say, oh, it's like being on an airplane and you pull down your mask, mask first, like, uh-huh. you know, you're not going to go around putting on everyone else's mask first. Like you can't be effective. And I'm like, why do we always go back to the airplane? <laughs> <laughs> I always do. Actually, I just, somebody was asking about like, I have a teenager. That's the real struggle, blah, blah, blah. And I was giving some, you know, advice. And I said that exact same thing that just happened today. I was like, you know, it's like, put your mask on first thing. You got to take care of yourself first. Uh, so back to the empty cup though, you can't pour from an empty cup before we, we start to wrap up here. Why does that quote resonate with you? And then also, well, first of all, answer that question. Why do you love it so much? Because I feel like for me, for so long, I didn't notice that I was running around with an empty cup. Ah, okay. Like I was so busy taking care of others and putting others first. Mm-hmm. Part of like seeking the acceptance, seeking approval. It's like, oh, look, I'm doing all this for you. Like, doesn't that mean I'm awesome? And it's like, those types of people will just ask you for something else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, they don't give you the approval. Yeah. It's like, ah, uh, and like always putting yourself last and like always running on empty. It's like, that's no way to exist. Because yeah. even part of like manifesting, it's like one of the basic steps is like, feel good. Like, how do yeah. you feel? Because you're going to like attract what goes on outside of you based how you feel inside. Yeah. And if you're empty, that's not a good feeling. So I know that there, the feeling of emptiness is huge right now amongst a lot of people. I hear it from, you know, I talk to a lot of people from all walks of life and it is just, it's really big right now. So I would love if you could give us just a short list of ideas for someone listening today, that's feeling that emptiness to, that they can start filling up their own cup basically get started on like always checking in with yourself like throughout your day so it's like if you're out like doing like you go to work and then you know you got to get stuff done and then you're going to take care of the kids it's like when do you just pause like even for a couple minutes and just see Mm -hmm. like how do you feel because for me it's like if I'm just running and whatever it's like I have a tendency to forget to be like all right how am I am I okay do I need something in this Mm -hmm. moment even if it's just to pause and like allow my brain to kind of let loose for a second, like, all right, like I'm not on in this minute, I'm just here. Okay. So being present. Yeah. Okay. And like really checking in with yourself. And what, it's not always just like bubble baths and, you know, mani pedis (laughs) or I don't know what the guys do, but (laughs) something like that. I mean, that's part of it. Like I mentioned to you earlier, it's like, I'll go get a massage because like I do a lot of fitness and whatever. And then I tend to keep like tension in the shoulders. And so, yeah, so that stuff is good too, to help fill, fill up. But I think, like you said, being kind of present with your feelings. Yeah. What if somebody were to wake, I've been hearing this from a lot of people. If they just like, you know, you wake up and you're like, you instantly just feel empty, empty in that moment, even. And I know this has happened to me in various stages of my life. And I've heard this from a lot of people. 
Do you have advice for that? Like if you're just like waking up already feeling empty, how do you move forward with that empty cup in that day? I would say you'd have to start like witnessing because like what is causing it to be like feeling empty? Because it's like, you know, do you need connection? Like, would you need to call a friend? I mean, I'm sure you don't get up at 7 a.m. and call somebody, but it's like, (laughs) you know, I want to sometimes, but nobody else is ever up as early as me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it depends. Like, (laughs) like, what is it that's sort of generating the empty feeling? Mm. Like, do you feel like you're not connecting with self or is it coming from someone else or is there something you'd like to be doing, but you keep putting it off? So why are you putting it off? Things like so that. Getting, like checking in, yeah, continuing to check in and being, being open. Because you always want to get to the root cause. Like if you're just like, hey, I'm not feeling it, or I have a full schedule and I'm already woke up tired or I woke up, you know, not in the mood. Like I just don't want to, but it's mm-hmm. a full day. Like I have to, because yeah. that's like part of like the adulting is like doing things you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. It's just like noticing and being like, hmm can I make the time to, you know, take a fitness class or, you know, do something that'll help me connect with myself or get outside into nature? I mean, again, I'm in the Northeast, so Mm -hmm. it's freezing, but on the days when it's a little bit nicer, like, you know, I'll try to take a short walk or something. So yeah, exercise is probably a good one. Just moving your body will sometimes help kind of flip you out. Yeah. I read a quote yesterday. It was talking about sort of like bringing in the definition of insanity, right? Mm -hmm. If you keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting it to be different, it's like, you can't do that. Mm. So let's say, you know, you use your phone as an alarm, right? And as soon as the alarm goes off, the first thing you do is check email, you check Instagram or something like maybe you get yourself in the habit of being like the alarm went off, but I'm not getting on the phone. Yeah. Like I'm going to do something else. Like maybe I'll get up and have a glass of water or I'll take a couple deep breaths or I'll stretch in front of the window. Yeah. Or even go out and watch the sunrise. That's nice. I mean, yeah, that, yeah, that's some good advice there. Like don't go straight to your phone. That is such a, that's such an empty notice. Yeah. (laughs) Like, cause for me, it's like, I get up, like, depending on the day, like, cause I do like fitness, like every other day, Mm -hmm. or, you know, if I did like yoga, maybe the next day I'll do something a little more physical. So I'll be like, all right, like I'll do a couple days fitness on and then fitness off. So if I wake up on the off day, I'm like, oh, like I'll just scroll or I'll just, so it's like, try to do it differently. Like if you notice yourself doing that, like try to do it differently. Mm, Nice. Okay. So, uh, before we wrap things up, I'd have two quick questions. One is because it does seem like you are really into self-improvement books from what I've seen on your Instagram page, especially just what's the latest one that you've read or reading right now. It's called own your everyday. Okay. Jordan Lee Dooley. Okay. So it's interesting because like a quick piece from her, like she's talking about how to be present and like own your day. Mm -hmm. And we had talked about how, when you go on Instagram, you just start like mindlessly scrolling Mm -hmm. and suddenly it's like, wow, 20 minutes just went by like whatever, or an hour. So I'll notice myself, like, I'll be like, all right, I've just found like this post, I want to go make it or put it up there. Mm-hmm. And I'll go in and either I'll get a notification or it'll have a recommendation to follow this person or something, something causes me to just go into, mm-hmm. you know, the rabbit hole. And then I leave Instagram and I'm like, I didn't even make the post. Like, <laughs> What just happened? That's so never that, happened to me. I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> this author was talking about, you know, when you go onto Instagram, it's like, do your purpose first. Like you mm. opened it for a reason. Yeah. So like, I like that. that. So that's okay. how you own your day. 
Cause it's mm-hmm. like, all right, I wanted to make this pose. I'm going to make it. And then I'm going to leave and go do something else or whatever, or I'll, you know, allow myself five minutes of scrolling and then I'm going to leave it. Yeah. Nice. Cause how I do like you that. put yourself back in the driver's seat? I like that. And the last question, uh, real quick, I want to know a little bit about your mascot, your dog, Oh, Charlie. <laughs> your cute little pug, <laughs> Yeah, uh, <laughs> Charlie. So he's okay. an Aquarius. I got oh, him okay. actually during my awakening ah, and it was probably okay. the most challenging thing ever because it's almost like having a little baby. Uh-huh. So he was about four months old. And, you know, we were trying to teach him how to potty and whatever. Mm. And at the time I was doing the master's degree. So I was only working part-time. Yeah. So I would kind of schedule my day, like around like his potty schedule and whatever. And it was so difficult. I don't know why, but literally every day I was like, what did I get myself into? I kind of want to send him like to like a rescue (laughs) or a pound or something. (laughs) And it was so hard, but it's like, literally he just turned 11 like two weeks ago, because he's okay. an Aquarius. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we've been together ever since. And like, Aww. he's literally taught me so much about myself, because in order to care for him, I would have to care for myself. Because I would be like, Oh, no, I like, get up and rush him out the door to go potty and whatever. Yeah. You'd be like, I'm holding it and like getting frustrated and he's not going and whatever. So it's like, but I would think that he would pee on the floor. So mm-hmm. I had to be like, all right, I'll go first. And then you can take as long as you want. Like, doesn't matter. So with that, it was like learning how to care for myself and then him. So through that, that's how I started doing work for the pug rescue because I use the criminal justice background Uh because I'm one of the home visitors. Okay. So say if you're applying, you're like, oh, I want to get like put an application, get the dog. I'll receive the application. And then I set up the home visit. So I come and kind of like observe your home, talk to you, like answer your questions. And then I write the reports that go to the rescue. That's awesome. Okay. So not only are you helping women, you're helping pugs. Yeah. Cause (laughs) for me, it was like, since he taught me so much, I was like, I don't think I can ever give back like that much. So Uh I try to help the little puggies that are looking for their forever home. Oh, and you are helping people in that way too, because it's just like you said, having him helped you. And for a lot of people, having a pet does help them with their own healing journeys as well. So That is awesome. All right. Well, all of the ways that people can connect with you are going to be in the show notes. So is there anything else you wanted to say before we say goodbye? I don't think so. Just super grateful. And it was a really good chat. And thank you so much. And then thank you everyone who's listening. Well, thank you for being here. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Our stories may be different, but we all have one thing in common. We're all trying to figure out how to navigate life on this planet. And none of us have it completely figured out. No matter what you're going through in your life, just know that you are never really alone. Come back every Wednesday for more inspiration and connection. And follow me on Instagram at the Dragonfly Mama so we can stay in touch between episodes.